Hello and welcome to Working It from the Financial Times. I'm Isabel Berwick. Just before we get started, I wanted to mention something. We're adding a new segment to Working It that we're really excited about. If you read the Working It newsletter, you might be familiar with Office Therapy, where I help to solve your workplace problems. Well, we're bringing Office Therapy to the podcast and we're teaming up with my wonderful colleague Jonathan Black to do it. You can now send in your workplace and career dilemmas directly as voice memos using the link in the show notes. We may play your audio on the show, but you don't need to give us your name or where you work or any other details. So please do send in your questions. We want to hear from you. Now, let's get on with the show. I think what counselling brought home to me really is the workplace is a grand theatre. You know, it really is a, a place of great drama, of great conflict, of great uh, cooperation, of friendships made, friendships broken. I think I find that really, really interesting. Work takes up a huge amount of our time. And I think we should all be spending more time thinking about what is really happening in the workplace. You know that friend of yours who's retrained as a psychotherapist or a counsellor? Well, it turns out quite a few of us have a friend like that. Mine is Michael Skopinka, whose voice you heard at the top of the show. Michael worked at the FT for more than 30 years before becoming a counsellor. He's one of a huge number of people who have retrained to work in that field. We'll hear more from Michael later about his new career. But first, I want to hear from Bethan Statton. She's the FT's Deputy Work and Careers Editor. And she recently wrote a great piece about this phenomenon that was incredibly popular with our readers. I started off by asking her the obvious question. Why do so many people want to work in psychotherapy? So I think it's a really interesting shift that has taken place in how we think about mental health and how we think about therapy over the last sort of five years. Firstly, a really increased uptake of all different kinds of, of therapy. If we're just looking at the UK, we saw really, really increased demand during lockdowns. NHS services haven't really been able to keep up with that uh, intensity of demand. Um, and, and so as a result, we've seen great increases in things like charity services um, and also, of course, private therapy, which has sort of increased in popularity and become more accessible but at the same time, what that has created is this increased demand for therapy and mental health services and, and a pool of people, I suppose, who have had good experiences in therapy themselves. They found that it's been positive for their lives. And then they've come into thinking themselves, you know, maybe this is a, a career that I could, I, I could pursue myself. Maybe I could be a therapist myself. So there's a, there's a huge rise in demand. Yeah. And that's being matched by this pool of people perhaps looking for more meaning after the pandemic. Is that what you found? Yeah, definitely. So speaking to people who have made the career change from a whole bunch of different backgrounds and, and types of jobs, they were looking at the careers that they'd had so far thinking, you know, it's not really me. I don't feel fulfilled at work. I feel a bit alienated from my job. I don't feel like I'm making a difference. What therapy offers is obviously you're helping people very directly. You're building meaningful relationships with people. You're connecting with some of the big questions about life. One uh, trainer and, and, and therapist that we spoke to said it really ends up kind of being about the meaning of life and you end up thinking about that every day. At the same time, you get to be your own boss and direct your 
own work in a way that is is not possible in a lot of careers. So I think that's been a big attraction. Do you think most people are coming to this later in life? What's the what's the demographic spread? I, I think it's quite mixed, but it, it's definitely one of those things that you can do at any point, really. And and in which having just general life experience, not necessarily in a particular career, is beneficial. I've spoke to a lot of people who were thinking about the change as a way to introduce more flexibility. Some, for example, were moving into their 30s, thinking about having a family or considering how they had worked up until that point and were realising, you know, I can't keep going like this. I can't keep working this hard in hours that are directed by other people for my entire career. Also, people can work into their later years, right? I spoke to several people who were in their late 40s or 50s and they were thinking about, am I going to be able to retire when I want to? And if not, can I keep on doing work which is going to be kind of accessible when I'm older um, and that I'll want to keep doing? So is this boom international? Is it happening everywhere? Yeah. So so I think in the States, there's also been a real increase in demand for mental health services. That's sort of on top of a slightly different culture towards therapy, which has been a bit more established than in the UK. The sort of idea of going to get therapy to work through life problems is more of a thing in the States. And I feel like that's becoming uh, more integrated into how we see the potential for therapy in the UK and, and Europe. But it's really spreading everywhere. The We spoke to a, one of the biggest kind of European organisations for therapy and they've reported the same thing. So I think globally people are living through hard times. You know, we've come through COVID. There's a lot of economic hardship. Is this part of what's driving everything, you know, and is it a global movement, do you think? Where do you see this ending? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good question, right? We had a, a letter written in response to the article which made the very good point that when you're talking about, for example, farmers was was one group that had accessed counselling and therapy more widely that that we sort of explored in the piece a little bit. That's that's because of real problems which need tackling themselves, right? Stress, other difficulties, and you know, there's huge issues which therapy simply can't fix. Whether everyone who needs mental health support is able to access the pool of of new therapists who are ready to ready to help them and and can pay to do it, it, it is another question. And sometimes it's people who really need therapy and mental health support most that don't have the resources to access it really and I think that's a problem. It's so interesting hearing Bethan talk about why so many people are becoming psychotherapists or counsellors. The pandemic affected our mental health, more of us started having therapy and as we reassessed our relationship with work, more of us began to consider therapy as a possible career. One statistic from Bethan's piece makes this very clear. Membership of the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, one of the UK's largest professional bodies for people in that field, grew by more than 27% between April 2020 and April this year. Michael Skopinka is one of the people who joined the BACP during that time. I asked him what prompted his career change, and the answer was a pleasant surprise. 
Well, you might not have realized this at the time, uh, Isabel, but you did. Really? I remember once uh, <laughs> you asked me if we could uh, go and have a sandwich at Pret-a-Manger one lunchtime because you had a workplace dilemma you wanted to talk to me about. And we went and uh, we had a sandwich sitting outside in the sun at Pret-a-Manger. And uh, at the end of it, as we were going back to the office, you said to me, you know, you should charge for this. And that then planted the seed of an idea in my mind that actually maybe this is something I should pursue and for which I should be properly trained. And I then spent uh, three years, this was at nights, weekends, uh, training as a counsellor, becoming a registered member of the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy, the BACP. Uh, but that was the beginning of it. My focus is work, careers, retirement, people with work problems. I found it very interesting. Uh, the reason I decided to uh, opt for counseling rather than coaching, the boundary between the two is not very clear. There's a lot of overlap. But um, coaching is about the present and the future. Counseling is about the past, present and future. And I was very interested in what people bring to work, the family background that they bring to work, all of the dilemmas that they've had in their past that they bring to work seem particularly interesting to me. Yeah. And I imagine in workplace strife, you know, the problems that people might bring to you, it probably doesn't take too long to get beyond what's happening on the surface to root causes. What happens very quickly is generally the people who come to me as counselling clients come with a work problem. Within very few minutes, they are talking about their personal lives, about their personal background. And the people who come to me because I call myself a counsellor know that they want to talk about the past, know that they want to talk about their families, but it does happen very quickly. So, Michael, I hope your work at the FT was fulfilling and interesting. You know, I'm sure it was. But is there anything about your work now as a counsellor that, you know, brings something to you that wasn't there before? I think what I very much regret is that I didn't do this training a lot earlier in my life. It's led me to do a lot of self-reflection and thinking back on my time as a head of department, I think I would have been far better at doing it. What I think counselling teaches you is to listen to the feelings behind the words, to listen to what's really being said when people speak to you. And I think from that point of view, it's something we could all benefit from. Beth Ann said in her piece, I think she quoted somebody as saying, you know, a lot of people who go into counselling go in to find out about themselves. And, uh, you know, I had been in, uh, in therapy therapy at various times in my life. I knew the usefulness of it. But I think this training, this being taught how to listen, uh, was very, very important. The other thing is I'd spent, uh, I did a, a large number of different jobs on the FT, but uh, I spent a lot of my time writing about management and about leadership. And uh, I think what counseling brought home to me really is the workplace is a grand theatre. You know, it really is a, a place of great drama, of great conflict, of great uh, cooperation, of friendships made, friendships broken. I think I find that really, really interesting. Work takes up a huge amount of our time. And I think we should all be spending more time thinking about what is really happening in the workplace. So, Michael, I think something that happens a lot, and certainly since the pandemic, is that when people become managers, they find they also get this unwanted sideline in being a counsellor or therapist to the people in their teams. You know, you certainly were to me. <laughs> I once wrote a column for the FT about how suddenly when you become a manager, you have this great realisation of how many things happen in people's lives. Because people come in to tell you the most personal things, and they come in to tell you that because it's going to affect their work. 
They're not going to be able to work at full tilt next week because of family problems, problems with children, problems with parents, problems in relationships, illness. This is very difficult, I think, because these things are told to you in confidence and you've got to keep them confidential. There are some people you can speak to about them. You might be able to speak to HR. You might be able to speak to your boss. But I think you've hit the nail on the head, really, because you're suddenly given all these confidences. And you have to decide what to do with them. And you're not trained really to deal with them. Very, very big issue. What is it about work as a counsellor that appeals in terms of managing your time, you know, on the level of work-life balance, shall we say? Well, I would say the big change for me is suddenly not having a boss is both uh, liberating, in a sense, you can make up your mind what to do. Uh, It also puts pressure on you in the sense that you basically have to find the work yourself. You have to decide what you're going to do. And uh, for somebody who's worked for as long as I have, you have to occasionally give yourself permission to take a day off. So uh, that is quite a challenge, also quite a pleasure. You think, well, the sun's shining today. I haven't got anything on my agenda, so I'm just going to go out and enjoy the day. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. It's wonderful to see you. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me here. I'm really interested in psychotherapy and counselling. I've been in therapy for absolutely years. It's made pretty much no difference to how anxious I am, but I keep going. You know, and Michael's experience tells us so much about why this line of work is booming, not just because there's endless numbers of anxious people like me, but because there's huge demand more generally, particularly since the pandemic. For people who become therapists and counsellors, it allows them a measure of flexible work. They can be in control of their work-life balance. And that's incredibly appealing. And I'm also fascinated by what Michael said about how much goes on at workplaces. The workplace is a microcosm of society. Everything is there. We spend so much of our time at work. And some of that time will be tough for whatever reason, whether that's a home problem or a problem in the workplace. You know, I've found over the years that having supportive colleagues like Michael is a massive help. But you know what? Having professional help can be even better. Thanks to Beth and Staten and Michael Skopinka. If you've enjoyed working it, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're an FT subscriber, you can get ahead of the trends at work by signing up to our free Working It newsletter. There's original reporting and the best workplace content from across the FT, plus the office therapy advice column. Sign up at ft.com forward slash newsletters. This episode of Working It was produced by Misha Frankel-Duval with mix from Simon Panay. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragossa and Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>